0: Hello everyone, Rico here. And this is Brendan over here, and you're listening to a Dinner Party Download super extra special podcast, Extradopolis. That's right, I think. (laughs) This is a
1: podcast-only mini-episode featuring a couple of performances we recorded at our live show in Santa Monica, California this summer. Both these performances are smart, they're very funny,
0: and both are, let us say, rated R. Is that accurate? This is grown-up humor, which we want to stress is not appropriate for any youngins who may be in your shot. That's right. Call it the after-dinner party download. So send the kids off to bed and just... Even if it's it's daytime, they should send the kids to bed? Yeah, well, it's tough luck for the kids. Send them to bed. Then huddle close to your laptop or whatever it is you listen to and enjoy this show in the company of sophisticated adults.
1: Consider it our gift to you for being old. You're welcome. In a little bit, we'll hear two funny ladies known as Garfunkel and Oates. They are the stars of their own hit IFC TV show. They sing us a brilliantly satirical song, which contains some blue language and a slew of metaphors, about half of which will offend someone somewhere. But we're starting off with a piece from comedian and author Moshe Kasher.
0: Yes, in 2009, he was named Best New Comic on iTunes, and he co-hosts the comedy podcast The Champs. His first book was a humorous memoir entitled, Casher and the Rye, the true tale of a white boy from Oakland who became a drug addict, criminal, mental patient, and then turned 16. Phew. That's all in one title. Yeah. It gives you an idea about what's to come. <laughs> uh, but this reading is from his forthcoming second book. It includes super frank sexual themes.
1: Again, this is not family listening, although it is about a pretty cool mom. Here's Moshe Kasher on stage at the Dinner Party Download Live. <laughs>
2: There was some back and forth here about whether or not this story was appropriate. And we went back and forth. We finally did the, some people uh, thought that it might be a little bit too juvenile or sophomoric or vulgar and sexual. And it was just really disappointing to see that kind of like the finger of censorship even here in uh, public radio. Anyway, this story is called uh, Fart Vibrator. (laughs) And it's actually not from Casher in the Rye. It's from uh, a series of, uh, it's from my, my next book. Deaf people fart. Oh, wait, let me back up. My mother is deaf, so she has no boundaries. The deaf aren't known for their social appropriateness. It's anecdotally known that if you've gained weight since the last time a deaf person seen you, you're likely to receive a hearty greeting of, hello, oh my, you've gotten fat, why? (laughs) I've never been able to figure out exactly why it is, why the lack of hearing leads directly to a razor slice through the BS, right to the meat of the thing, or I guess in the above example, the overeating of the meat of the thing. (laughs) Again, deaf people fart. They never seem embarrassed about it. Rather, they hardly seem to acknowledge that it even happened. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Without the full scale of exposure to the stimulus that one is to be embarrassed about, one just can't muster the will to be embarrassed. It's not that they don't know that it's embarrassing to us, the hearing people, They know about the rules in hearing society. They've just set up a separate society within the foolish, delicate castle of manners and convention that we hearing people fortify with our nonsense. They know hearing people have decided that a fart is worse than a yawn. They just can't quite care. (laughs) I'm not sure if they are right and we are wrong. All I know for sure is my mother farts in public. Also, my mother loves masturbation kind of like her thing, farting and masturbating. In my house growing up, there was always a prominently displayed Hitachi magic wand hanging out on the dresser without any self-consciousness or even attempt to hide it. Do I have to mention that the magic wand is the loudest vibrator available? And then there, right next to it, was always a large purple bottle of Astro Glide Lube. Yeah, I could never use Astroglide myself. Beyond its horrifying viscosity and ectoplasmic makeup are the terrible images called up in my imagination of my mother slathering the stuff onto her wall plug-in vibrator, whose deep humming kept me awake at night and infiltrated my dreams. Boogeyman, whose spoken language was a mix of Hitachi-esque Japanese and guttural vibratory buzzing. Let me say that again. I can't use Astroglide sexual lubricant because of my mother. (laughs) Lube in general has a sort of sickly place in my mind. I sometimes perform at this stand-up show in in Los Angeles that takes place at the Pleasure Chest, a slick modern sex shop with aisles and aisles of the most uh, current toys and whips and edible panties available. And then there, shudderingly in the corner, an entire monument to the Hitachi magic wand. (laughs) apparently the Eames chair of vibrators. (laughs) On one entire wall of the place is the most varied array of sexual lubricants you've ever seen. And then, at the top of it all, there is a half-gallon pump squirt bottle of lube that catches my eye every time I see it. A half-gallon bottle of lube. Why does this exist? At what point do you come to the realization that you are having so much sex that it necessitates a pump-action, half-gallon <laughs> bottle of lubricant? You know, so that you can avoid constantly running out of those peskily small quart and liter bottles of lube. <laughs> of course, my mother would be thrilled by that bottle. My mother is thrilled all the time. She's thrilled by my sexuality. She was determined to make sure that I had a healthy and open sex life, how I longed for the sex education that most of my friends at school got instead, anecdotes passed down from Hustler Magazine to older brothers and then to the playground, third-hand misinformation that had gone through amazing telephone game-like transformations and left us with advice like, always wear a condom all day, every day. (laughs) That's the only way to avoid pregnancy. (laughs) Me, I knew too much. Eventually, I did start bringing women home. Mother was thrilled. Once, when I was 16, my mother walked in on me and a girl. I was lying, face down, with the covers pulled up over my head, prostrate before the temple of goddess worship when I heard the door to my bedroom open. My mother had walked in on me. Again, I was entirely prone, flat on my stomach. Picture it. Picture it! (laughs) Using core muscles I did not know I had, I catapulted myself up from my entirely flattened position. The blanket pulled tight around my neck to protect my nakedness. I leapt up and flew through the air, flew over my lover, the blanket billowing behind me like some kind of goddess-worshipping superhero. You know, like Ellen DeGeneres, (laughs) but with less dancing. And I landed on top of her, covering us both with the blanket. I held my breath. I heard the door close again. Many mothers would have been mad, or at least concerned with what was happening under their roof, but my mother simply told me later that day that she was sorry she had interrupted my private time. That was it, well, almost. My mother told my grandmother about the incident and she cornered me the next day to have a little chat. I've noticed that you've started bringing girls around, she said, looking deeply into my eyes, probing for something. Well, I just hope that you've been satisfying those women. On what level are you saying that, Grandma? (laughs) Oh, uh, oh, on a sexual level. You know, your grandfather made me climax every time we made the- Grandma, never speak to me of this again! (laughs) This kind of conversation leaves a ton of emotional scar tissue. I still can't deal with it. It's been 12 years since my grandma passed away and I still can't achieve orgasm with a woman until I scream, you just got grandpa cashered. (laughs) Then I dump a bag of Werther's Originals on top of her and run out of the room. Sometimes when I meet a nice Catholic, I get a little misty eyed in jealousy You mean your mom made you feel ashamed to touch yourself? She told you God was watching and he was mad about it? You lucky dog. (laughs) Still, there's something kind of heroic about it. The sex-positive, single, deaf mother, in a world of slut-shaming and sexualities twisted by embarrassment and dogma so much that they can hardly be discerned from psychological disorders, my mother was offering me the opportunity to be exposed to sex and embrace it as normal even though the techniques she chose were anything but. She's deaf and she can't give a damn about conventions of appropriateness. She farts because people fart. She has sex because people have sex. It's just the truth. She still has that Hitachi, by the way. It still sits there in its place of honor next to that horrible purple bottle of lube, daring someone to say, put that away. I'm sure when my mother is getting close to the end, and almost all of her strength has left her, and she's getting ready to pass over into the great beyond. I'll come see her in a hospice center, and I'll be able to find a room by listening carefully for her battle cry. Thank you guys very much.
0: All right, everybody.
1: I don't know. It seems like we started seconds ago, but we are nearing the end of this dinner party.
0: We're very true. sorry
1: to say that. We usually close things out with one for the road, of course, a tune to have you enjoy on your way home, and tonight is no exception.
0: Yes, we've invited a couple of very funny folks to provide us with a song. Their new TV series launches on IFC this summer. Please welcome Ricky Lindholm and Kate McCucci, a.k.a. Garfunkel and Oates. <laughs>
3: thank you for that intro, that was so sweet. For those of you at home, my wife just handed me my guitar strap. Hi. Oh, you're so far away. I know, let's get closer, oh. cause I missed you. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you guys know what the fadeaway is? Do you know that it's, well, probably most people in here have done it. It's when you're dating someone and then you break up with them without telling them. Like you, you try to like text it out of existence without anyone noticing. I feel like a lot of our girlfriends in L.A. do that to their boyfriends or guys they're dating. Guys do it too, but our our girlfriends seem to have no guilt about it, and so we we think it's kind of worse. I did it one too many times, and then when I turned 30, Ricky told me I wasn't allowed to do it anymore. (laughs) That's true. So So now I just hand a pre-written letter. (laughs) What does it say? It says dear and then there's a, a you know, a space I have to fill in the name. And then it do just Do you like, fill it in or do they? Um, I usually fill it in. I'm oh, that's my, nice. I'm of nice you. about it, yeah. Okay. Thanks. And then, you know, it's been a wonderful one, two, three, or four weeks. It's never more than four weeks. And then <laughs> it's a stamp with my name. Nice. Well it's classy at least. That's right? good. I yeah. think so. Um, yeah. So here's our song, The Fade Away. We've been on a bunch of dates, I weigh debates that this creates And hate that state of forced introspection We traded wit, we swapped some spit, we went to third a little bit But we never really had a connection You did nothing wrong, I have no excuse Just my intuition telling me we shouldn't reproduce I know I have to end it, but pretend to just suspend it By contending that I'm busy all week I let the foregone linker on text back with an emoticon Withdraw from you by being oblique Inside I know my tactics, just delay it But I'll do anything so I don't have to say it I'll draw this out forever like it's Vietnam Then one day I'll be gone like Bambi's mom Oh. 'Cause Cause there's the right thing to do Then there's what I'm gonna do There's so much I should say but instead i do the fadeaway now, men like chalk on a sidewalk, or the polio virus after Jonas Salk, a Jewish guy and sizzler on Yom Kippur, the Wake party post-Mildred Fillmore, the erection of a ban on antidepressants, the cash of different strokes after adolescence, reproductive rights below the Mason-Dixon, Native Americans after the barter system, your thyroid gland after Hashimoto, the family in the Back to the Future photo. <laughs> yeah, fade away. revel in our victimhood and amplify our hate We find ways to be indignant like it's a sport And dissect their malignance with the views we distort The way men bring up may be sloppy and terse What they do is bad, but what we do is worse We pretend to ourselves, it's the nice thing to do To let you down gently by just not ever telling you And deep down we know it's the worst way to play it But we are what we have Especially ones in comedy bands We see your faults but not our own
1: Then we wonder why we're all
3: alone We fill you up with maybes, excuses, and stalls well like a baby in China It's better to have balls (laughs) Not the good wife type like Christine Baranski So I'll pull out and leave like I'm Roman Polanski Aww Cause there's the right thing to do Then there's what I'm gonna do there's so There's much, much I, I should say, but instead, i do the fadeaway, anyway. Like verbal Kent fading into Kaiser Sose, the rights in Arizona for a guy named Jose, opportunities for a college grad, the love between your mom and dad. <laughs> Gonna peter out like a gay satara, rainy in since the Reagan era, black Nikki sales after heaven's gate, summer camp attendance at Penn State. <laughs> The name ate off after World War II. Like Debbie Gibson's pop career, out of the blue. Yeah, I fade away. Because I don't want to get to know you. I just want to blow you off. <laughs> thank you, guys.
0: Thank you. All right. Yes. Thank Ricky Lindholm how make you Gucci, a.k.a. Garfunkel and Oates, ladies and gentlemen. Garfunkel and Oates, recorded live in the Moss Theater at the New Road School in Santa Monica, California. We had such a fun time performing them that night, and it seems like they did too, and we stayed in touch for a few days, and then they sort of stopped taking our calls. What was Not sure what happened there.
1: It's a mystery. You should text them. Folks, we promise if you get in touch with us, however, we will respond. Yeah. You can do so by going to our website, dinnerpartydownload.org, or by following us on Twitter and Instagram at dinnerpartydnld. And that concludes this, what were we calling it? Super Extra Special
0: yeah. Podcast Extradopolis.
1: That we would like to thank KPCC in Los Angeles, who hosted our live event, John Cohn, who directed it, also our associate producer, Jackson Musker, digital assistant, Brittany Martin, and executive producer, Peter Clowney. If you'd like us to do a live event in your town, just let us know. You can wake the kids up now. But what if they're happily sleeping now? Too bad. Okay. Bon appétit.